Storymakers. I'm Angie Powers. I'm Elizabeth Stark. And this is Storymakers Show. And today on Storymakers, uh, I am somewhat incoherent because I stayed up very late last night. Angie pulled an all-nighter-ish. So... Today, we're going to talk about those little things that make all the difference. (laughs) But first, what are you working on? Well, so far I'm uh, working on getting the film out still. Yes. And um, working on a number of small projects at this point. So that's kind of what I'm working on is more film, more short scripts, more, more. Mm, Good. Great. Um, and I'm helping you a little bit, and um, you are helping me more than just a little bit. I am waiting mm-hmm. yet, yet again, but in a new way. And I'm I'm gonna wait to talk about the. So wait. you're gonna wait further. You're gonna I'm wait. waiting, and I'm gonna make everybody wait. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will eventually reveal all, no matter how good, bad, or ugly. Mm-hmm. But I am gonna just wait. Okay, sounds good. So that's what I'm doing. You're actively waiting. So right now you're working on waiting. And I'm cleaning the house and exercising a lot. Right, because... Oy. So here we go. This is our big announcement. I know. This is... Are you, are is you guys like, ready? This is actually us becoming like very public about... Not perfect. About our imperfection. <laughs> ready? Drum roll. We have, have mice. mice. <laughs> And the reason we're bringing that up on a writing show (laughs) is because I think that they are a fantastic metaphor for character. And not just in Cinderella. Right. We're not talking about the kind that make your dresses for you, although let's all hope we can get that. Boy, we need those. Yeah. Why? How come our mice aren't doing that? I know. And they do bring up so many different aspects. So we've got a lot of things that we have to do in order to manage them it takes a lot of work because we're in the country and all these different things sort of happen the thing that I thought was interesting and how this actually pertains to our writing lives is that we often talk about how people will do the absolute least to deal with a problem right and that's and that the situation really is the thing that sort of continues to push them until they finally learn in, you know, our thick-headed way what actually needs to happen so in order to make the change. Mapford calls it a long-standing social problem, right? That, that the character already has a long-standing social problem and then the inciting incident pushes them into action. So so we have had a long-standing mm-hmm. kind of level of, of just stuff. Yeah. Clutter, chaos. I mean, not hoarder level, no, but definitely too wanna, much stuff. Too much stuff and too little time devoted to, to dealing with it. And then for me, like a buildup of resentment about it. So all that good. You know, so that I feels like extra stuff. Well, I think it's, it's normal <laughs> in a way. But anyway, um, so yeah, so we have, we have a creative household. We definitely do. So with regard to this inciting incident, mice showing up in our home you know there's different moments we went through there was denial there was total denial there was you know all of these different things like oh i'm just gonna hire someone to come and just do some kind of cursory pass for me so i really like i watched myself go through 
a lot of things before we've gotten to where we are now, which is we've now sealed everything we own into little containers <laughs> to protect them. Uh, I'm regularly shaming our dog, who is a terrier and should be just totally taking care of them. He will eat guinea pigs, moles, and flies, but apparently mice fill a, a sort of silo between those sizes that he's not interested in. Or can't catch. He doesn't seem to even react to them. Mm. He doesn't like smell them and kind of go crazy. He's just kind of, hey. So, okay. So what can we learn? What can we, we and our listeners learn about story making from the mice? Well, I think we often talk about what happens between these big turning points. And the inciting incident and the act one decision is a period of time where people are really coming to terms with the real consequence of that inciting incident. And I think that using the mouse as an example of really like a concrete way, it's not a theoretical. Our brains are designed, and I've said this before, to be super economical. They take, even though they take up so much of our, I mean, they what, they take 20% of all calories we eat, it takes, you know, it's a huge amount of resource that goes into our brain. So we want to get the most bang for our buck. Mm-hmm. So in some ways, what ends up happening then is that we are trying to say we understand what's going on and this is the easiest, most economical answer. Right. What I found out when I called someone to come help us with this, however, was that what I thought was going to be an economical answer didn't necessarily show up as someone else's economical answer. So we got two very, very different responses from professionals. Which um, is great in terms of story, right? right? Because it, it forces us back into our dilemma. Mm-hmm. And so we, we, but that's one thing to try is like, okay, let's call in some experts and get and get an expert opinion. Mm-hmm. And then one expert says, oh my gosh, you have to spend just thousands of dollars. You have this huge thing, problem, right? And the other expert is like, oh, you don't even need me, right? right. You just need, just plug up that hole and you're done, right? Right. We had very different responses to the situation. So I love, but I did, again, love that that forces us back on our decision making, which reveals character and mm-hmm. pushes character, cre- right. creates transformation. And... You know, if we were people who had maybe, you know, I was about to say if we had a lot more money, but I don't actually think that's even necessarily true. I think the high end bid felt wrong Mm-mm. for us. So for someone else, we also have a small ish house. Like right. we don't have a large house. Right. And for someone else, that could have been the end of their story. Right. I'm just going to hire someone to come in plug up all the holes and I'm done. Right. I don't have to do the hole plugging. I don't have to set out traps. I don't have to do any of that stuff. And that person maybe wouldn't even have been a character in need of the kind of transformation that we are in this journey. (laughs) Yes, we are now getting closer and closer to minimalism. It'll be interesting to see where this story ends. I mean, this is, I almost want us to to do a nonfiction book on this because when I started (laughs) doing minimalism last year, so last year I got all excited and I thought, okay, if we just have a minimal amount of things, then we won't be messy. We'll be able to find everything and we won't have to spend a lot of time cleaning. Because, I mean, I do think part of this is that we, you know, we work and we do creative projects and we have kids and whatever. And we just aren't 
that focused or good at the cleaning part. So, um, <laughs> well, I mean, I, I was telling my high school friends that I thought I was the clean one in our relationship and they were like genuinely alarmed about that. And that was just a little wake up call. But anyway, this is like just way too much information. I, I don't think I really want to do like couples counseling on a podcast. <laughs> but here's what I want to say. That's in a different of, podcast. What I want to say in terms of story is, um, what I want to say in terms of story is that last year when I got all excited about minimalism and I signed up for an online minimalism course mm-hmm. and I was in the middle of it when the fires came and you had to pack up like or you were able to pack up a few things that you thought were most important to take with you. I couldn't even do that. And then we had, you know, friends of ours lose everything. Right. And it just threw me around the whole sort of idea of getting rid of everything. It complicated the idea of getting rid of everything, to have people lose everything. Mm-hmm. So I just think, I think somewhere in all of this, there is actually maybe an interesting story. But I mean, but maybe not. <laughs> this is why you can't be your own coach. <laughs> um, great. Fantastic. Yeah. But that speaks to your Matt Bird statement. The, on, the ongoing social right. problem or dilemma or what was his language? An ongoing social struggle whatever mm. i don't know yeah so that and i and i call that character in need of a story mm. right that you have a character who already is struggling who who needs to change whether they're aware of it or not right but i think that um it's there's a lot of ways to approach that particular thing and figuring out like do you have a character do you start with the character and develop a character who needs to change or do you have a character and then look at it structurally and then think about like, okay, here's this person from what I already have. Can I reverse engineer those changes that need to happen? Well, I think you, you start with whatever is the most well, interesting, mm-hmm. right? The whatever hooks you. And it could be beginning of the character, end of the character, beginning of the story, end of the story. It could be story events, mm-hmm. right? But I mean, I think it's, people get really hooked in about these incredible adventures and and trials and tribulations that people have gone through and and then i was just teaching this weekend about you know in character in need of story and and then story and how important it is that those events impact a character arc mm-hmm. and that and that the same set of events could change different people in radically different ways or ch- really change one character and really not change another character absolutely so yeah, so I thought that the mice also did bring us to, when we look at this section, and I actually, as we're talking, I'm having a very visual like clarity for myself around this whole thing, which is that I think most of what we've been talking about has been Act 1. Yes. And so... <laughs> we're, we're, and we're kind of in Act 1, right? Yes. But just to say, with regard to a couple of things, you talk about a character in need of change. Another is a limiting belief. Right. So mm-hmm. we have underlying limiting belief, which causes the world for us to be a particular way. Right. So that's a reason why we're in need of story. Yes. Right. Is to challenge and, and stretch our limiting beliefs. Right. And so in, in this case, our limiting belief was, um, well, we're going to find out, I think, <laughs> in, in more detail. Um, well, our limiting belief, what was our limiting belief? Well, I think that. When the limiting belief beforehand was either that we couldn't get things 
like get rid of things. Well, that's or... me, right? Mostly. But sometimes you, both of us had it. You had it more about like kitchen items. But it's more <laughs> actually about process, right? So for you, you have a, a, a thing where you're thinking to yourself, you know, I might need this later or this has value or I might miss the value of this and, and give it away. And I do. I actually had this really interesting moment where I did really miss something. I can't even remember what it was now, but I, I had this moment where I really missed something I'd gotten rid of and I was thinking about how you say, like, oh, you can always get it again or oh, whatever. It's and, waiting for you at the store. Yeah, and all those things, and it wasn't, and I felt <laughs> like I needed it and I wanted it and I was sad about it. And then and then I was really aware, then like time, a little bit more time passed or whatever the moment was where I mm. wanted it for that event. Or there was some, you know, and that passed and I, and I didn't have it. It was disappointing. And then I didn't care again. And it was like, oh, that was okay too. It was okay to want to kind of regret it. It wasn't a lifelong regret. It was just like for that moment. And mm-hmm. then I didn't regret it again. And I, so I've spent most of the time not regretting it. Clearly, I can't even remember why I regretted it or what it was. To regret. So actually, even a little bit of regret might be okay. Yes. Yeah. Um, but just to say, you know, I have a different set, but they both kind of interact with each other. They overlap. They help us create the, you know, things that need changing in our home. So when I look at, like, my part of it, I'm really good at throwing things away because I lose things all the time. So <laughs> I can't. practice detachment. I ha- yeah, I, I practice detachment through distraction. I just want to say, Elizabeth Bishop, The Art of Losing is our poem of the episode. Poem of the oh maybe we should do that. Poem of we the had episode. one last time. Remember we had the Kim yeah, Anicio. Yeah. So yeah. this I'm just gonna say this. A I think we're lines. launching a new format here. Poem of the episode. Poem of the episode. I, well, we may not be able to come up with one every time, but this is what I want to say. I want to say the beginning of it, which is the art of losing isn't hard to master. So many things seem filled with the intent to be lost, but their loss is no disaster. Anyway, it's it's worth reading because the thing about the poem of the episode is it just comes randomly out of memory and it's not very accurate in the oral part of the episode. So we will provide that treasured link. Okay. With that, we've completely gone off the rails of... Uh, We're still talking about literature, though. We are. But I guess what I was trying to complete there as a, as okay. a thought was that my side of things actually is... The systems piece. I can easily let go of things emotionally, but then they just pile up because I don't know how to get them out of the house mm. in quite and the you same are way. Fascinated by systems as well. I know. I believe yeah. that systems will save me. I just want to say, and the thing I want to complete on that's over here <laughs> is this idea that I that I thought the lesson I needed to learn was. Um, that I wouldn't regret letting go of things and that instead what I learned is it's okay. Like I'd rather live with regret than a pile of junk. And so, and I just think it's exciting to think about one of the things about character change You know, is, they say it's better to regret something you have thrown away than something you haven't. Do they say that? Well, they say actually it's better to regret something you have done than to some something you they, haven't. They actually say pe- people are much more filled at the sort of end of life with regret for the things they didn't do than regret for the things they did do. So I'm just moving that into the decluttering space. <laughs> you this are is much like Kondo episode. This is actually great. Could, okay, here's a here's a totally different angle, but kind of related, which is: Could you Marie Kondo your book? Could you take a scene and put it in your hands and say, 
does this scene spark joy? And it's hard about that (laughs) is that it, you know, you're again, going back to your system, your, your novel, your film, all of it is one thing. And we do know that sometimes a scene can spark joy in and of itself, mm-hmm. but it doesn't help the whole. Well, it's interesting. The, the kind of decluttering questions are is also are, is it is it beautiful? Is it useful? Do you love it? And maybe for story, it almost has to answer all three or it has to it has to be both like beautiful mm-hmm. in whatever way that means. And and it has to be useful. Mm-hmm. You can't just sort of hang it on the wall. Yeah. I mean, not that painting isn't useful. Great. So we're going to actually develop that in our, as we do our kind of revision prep talk at the end of Book in a Year. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll have decluttering that. Decluttering your declutter- manuscript. Right? Exactly. This is deep. We're going to, and then once we become. Or we've just had a lot of coffee. <laughs> you guys you can ring in. the night. You guys can ring in and let us know. <laughs> yes, that was deep or not as much as you'd think. <laughs> Give me some coffee. <laughs> All right. Well, maybe um, <laughs> maybe we should move on to steal this. Okay. Is that premature? Is there, do let's, well, let's just, before we move on, let's just quickly revisit what we've learned about story from, from mice. mice and Marie Kondo. Oh, my God. That's the title? <laughs> mice and Marie of Kondo. Of Mice and Marie Kondo. Of, Mar- my, of Mice and Marie. Does she even need a last name anymore? Yeah. Um, Kondo. Because there's Osmond. Oh, so she... <laughs> <laughs> who somebody told us they're still on tour yeah. man crazy yeah we're gonna be like she's that. a little bit country and he's a little bit rock and roll <laughs> okay so takeaway lessons from this episode of Storymaker show mm-hmm. number one is when we talk about your character's uh refusal of the call section of act one after the inciting incident that's real, man. You don't have to really do crazy things to make that happen. You just think about what would be the laziest way to approach that. And and I and by, I want to say a couple things about laziness. The first is, you know, we're running around like crazy. Like we're not just sort of just like lounging and luxuriating. No. We're just we're kind of banging through all the things we have to do and we don't really have time set aside for dealing with like with this infestation. So we kind of we kind of think that's not really happening, right? We're not really seeing the signs of this. We're in denial because we okay, don't. Okay, I just want to say we're not in denial anymore. No, no, no now we're not. <laughs> but when for the period that we were in denial, it was kind of. I mean, it's kind of hilarious when you look back on the denial period. Mm-hmm. We're like a denial, a denial. <laughs> Musical interlude, little Nirvana for you. Um. So, uh, so I and the so that's the one thing I want to say about denial is it's. And laziness is that it, it doesn't necessarily look like sloth. Mm-hmm. It might look like busyness. Or lack of caring. People can choose things thinking. I mean, obviously, that's the point. Or you're focusing on something else. You think, well, I still think you can be like, this is my, pro-, you know, this is the problem. And I'm not starting with spending $6,000. Right. I'm starting with calling to get some estimates. Right. I'm starting with... Well, I mean, yeah. first I was like, oh, I'll clean this drawer. And then it's like, oh, more signs of mice. They've returned. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a one-off. That is what those, that is mice leavings, and it isn't going away. And so then we, then we go to estimates and right. And now we're like crazy with like all sorts of chemicals and. Which we're not those people. We are not those people, but apparently we are now. 
because we're pushed. That's mm-hmm. the whole great thing. It's like, what is going to push us to other extremes? So the key takeaway today is when you are stuck in that section and you're trying to really think about how your character would approach bringing equilibrium back to their world after the inciting incident, just imagine if they had mice. And how would that actually be? And then it's, what would that character do? So, so that, again, that word laziness, it's like, it's really what is in your comfort zone? What is in your wheelhouse? Mm-hmm. Like, what is, so someone else might like go right to chemicals because that's in their comfort zone, mm-hmm. right? And and then they may be pushed in some other direction. Right. Like if one of the mice started talking. Right. And then they'd have to like so, you know, commune so it, with the mouse and right. become a leader of the animals. Mm-hmm just other exciting things so it really depends on your character right and, what and this is this is the, my sort of whole new thing is which is not new at all but the the, lang- the word that i'm really loving is the not k-n-o-t the knot of character and story that it is that it is that they are inextricably tangled together that you can't have one without the other i prefer braided but i think it's a knot i think that's more of a kind of story word k-n-o-t Okay. But you can, that's okay. Okay. I'm being Pete Davidson. (laughs) All right. Um, Do we have to link to him? Sure. So now it's time for Steal This. Amateur poets borrow. Professional poets steal. What have you come across in your wanderings and readings that you would like to take and make your own? Napping is really good. (laughs) That doesn't count. Why not? No. What are you stealing? I don't nap all that often. All right. I'll go first. Okay. (laughs) Um, Okay. Well, I will say that I'm I'm listening to The Winters. I I may have talked about giving up on it, right? Because I was, but now the book group approaches. So Deadline, which is probably a whole. It sounds like a squad. The book group group approaches. (laughs) And... um, The White Walkers or the book group. Anyway, so I pushed through and I will say... There are some moments where it's more, where she's done it, where the parallels are panning out better. Not the parallels, but the that there is a dynamic that is complex enough and believable enough that I'm caring enough to keep listening while I clean and clean and clean our house. Well, that is a resounding <laughs> steal this. So what is it that you're stealing from that? <laughs> okay, so one thing I want to say is I'm actually kind of exploring the idea of doing this kind of project of like updating a kind of a classic or something. Mm. I think that's really interesting. Um, and, and partly because, the, because of the ways she's succeeding and because of the ways I don't think she's as successful, it's interesting. It's making me interested in that pro that kind of project. Um, so that's one thing I'm thinking of stealing, just think toying with. Um, and then, um, and then I guess just thinking about the—it's making me think about this—the necessary psychology to make something matter and seem like a real obstacle. Do you realize that you're like I'm going to steal a project format that she's stolen? Right. No. No. I mean, it's, yeah. 
lots of people have yeah, yeah. taken classics and updated well, like them. Like Shakespeare. But you were like, um, Did that. here's this thing I don't really like, and I'm going to use that as... As a model. <laughs> well, I'm also going to learn from it. So I'm not going right. to steal the things I don't like about it, but I'm definitely going to learn from it. And thinking about um, what was so brilliant about Rebecca was the kind of... Um, the mo- the what was so brilliant about Rebecca was the the you're distracting me with your distraction <laughs> um was was the kind of the obstacles and limitations that that didn't translate that well to modern life around class and around um gender and around role expectation and and kind of you know the sort of aristocracy and all of those things and i guess part of it is thinking about what ways to make those uh, ways to look at our world and to look at what what are the real obstacles in our world that, that in, in our relationships and in our understanding of each other each other and ourselves now mm-hmm. and not you know have to hide the cell phones or um, pretend you know things are still challenges that aren't so I don't know that's a little incoherent but I guess I'm just I want to both steal some things and learn from others just learning from is the flip side of stealing okay great how about you? Besides napping. Um, I just have been so focused on getting things done this week. Yeah. And in a particular grinding way. So is there any mastery of getting things done that you would like to steal? Well, I, you know, I need to figure out how I can be more consistent in how I approach my getting things done because the truth is I bounce around a lot but I think that works for you yeah except for I can also I think spend a lot of time going in a circle without a clear vision of what I'm actually doing so yeah there's always this balance creatively speaking between accepting and supporting who you are and trying to change and grow Mm -hmm. and of course we mostly I guess that the whole point of today's show is we mostly kind of to go around in circles until something really forces us to to move along mm-hmm. so ironically we neither accept ourselves as we are nor do we grow right <laughs> and either thing could provide a tremendous movement exactly but instead we struggle with ourselves so with that <laughs> i want to say uh, i hope it is comfortable wherever you are right now it is going on day eight million that we have had rain oh i also want to say that our we had a critique from one of our children of our write your tushies off uh <laughs> sign off so we're we might have to have a little sign off contest what do you what would you like to hear from us what do they win i don't know us saying that thing to them weekly <laughs> We'll say, we will say, you will get a recording of our voices saying your sign off every single week. That's, you know, no, like, we're not going to send it to you every week. No, we're it's, just, it's going <laughs> to just go out on the podcast. Let us know. Enliven us with your brilliance. Is that our new sign off? Enliven us with your, your brilliance. brilliance. Until next week. <laughs>